Welcome to Faith and Science. I'm Dr. John Ashton. At the moment, it seems that um, the uh, COVID-19 virus and its effects are occupying quite a bit of space on the the news. Um, The the virus has certainly affected the lives of many people. People are stressed out making decisions uh, whether or not to... uh, get vaccinated or not and you know it, it seems that um, everyday conversation is a lot about many of these issues but I think one of the very important things that is being missed is this whole scenario um, is points us to the importance of our immune system and our immune system is powerful evidence for creation not evolution. It's absolutely impossible for our immune system to have evolved by random chance mutations. It's just so complicated. As a matter of fact, just about every living organism has immune systems. You know, plants, of course, animals and so forth have immune systems that, that protect them. And there's a reason um, for this. So they protect them from the invasion um, of uh, bad, bad things, of uh, outside invaders that want to take over to a, to a degree. And this immune system is extremely complex. It's, when we look at, you know, um, the um, outside invaders that can come into our body, you know, include things just as bacteria and, of course, viruses. We talk about fungi and also other toxins, chemicals that are made uh, perhaps by microbes um, and uh, which, um, you know, there's a lot of naturally occurring toxins that are, are out there. And the immune system itself, though, is made up of different organs and cells and proteins that all work together. It's extremely complex. And this is the important part that I want to get across. The immune system is made up of a whole lot of systems that all work together. And there's no way that these systems could just arise by chance and work because without one and the other, they're they're not going to work. But they're essential for us to live and survive in the environment. Of course, there's two main parts of the immune system. There's what we call the innate uh, immune system, uh, and this is what we're we're born with. Uh, and then there's the adaptive or acquired immune system that, and this develops as uh, we grow and our body is exposed to uh, bacteria or and and, and toxins. And um, that's why there were some uh, time ago. Um, an American um, microbiologist, I think his name was René Dubay, um, or Dubois, um, proposed the hygiene hypothesis in that uh, if we are too clean, too hygienic, um, our immune systems don't develop and we become more susceptible f- to disease. And this is one of the problems of overusing, um, you know, cleaners and um Yes, over sterilisation of cleaners and surfaces in in the home, and um, uh, you know an illustration of this was that, uh, for example, people in India who are vegetarians very rarely have um, vitamin B twelve uh, deficiency, 
But when those same people moved to the UK, which where there was a, a lot more hygiene, a much uh, cleaner environment generally, uh, they then de- developed uh, B12 deficiencies. So uh, they're the two, th- uh, two immune systems, the so one that we're born with, the innate immune system, and one that um, our body adapts to. Now, the one that we're born to, this is our, more or less our rapid response system. It's, it's the first to respond when it, uh, fi- fi- uh, when it finds an invader. So it, it's made up of skin or the eyes, cornea, uh, the mucous membranes that line the respiratory, um, gastrointestinal and genital urinary tracts. Um, and then of course, in the case of COVID, the, the, this membrane that lines the respiratory tract is, is very important, the first line defence, and I'll come back to that in a little bit. Uh, and these create physical barriers that uh, protect us against you know, the harmful germs and parasites. And so uh, this immune system um, has cells that when an invader comes, they cover it um, and surround the invader and um, it's killed, uh, and they're called uh, phagocytes. So um, when we look at the uh, acquired immune system or the adaptive immune system, um, this system, with the help of the innate system, makes special proteins called antibodies that protect our body from a specific invader. And these antibodies are developed by uh, cells called B lymphocytes, after the body has been exposed to the um, invader. And in principle, these antibodies stay in our body. Uh, It can take, though, several days for antibodies to form. Uh, But after the first exposure, the immune system will recognise the invader and defend against it. And so the acquired immune system changes during our life. And the role of vaccines is uh, to train our immune system to make antibodies to protect them from harmful disease. And I'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, But um, it's interesting that the cells that are involved in both the innate and the acquired or adaptive immune system are made in different organs of the body. So you've got the adenoids, which are glands at the back of the nasal passage. You've got bone marrow. You've got the lymph nodes. You've got um, lymphatic vessels, which are a network of channels over the body that carry the lymphocytes um, to the lymphoid organs and the bloodstream. Uh, I've got what are called payer patches. Um, These are little lymphoid tissue in the small intestine. You've got the spleen, the thymus, um, and um, the tonsils, of course, at the back of the throat. So... These are the organs that produce the cells that are involved in the immune system, and they all work together. And so it's an extremely complex system. I mean, um, I only have a a relatively scant knowledge and understanding of it. And, I mean, research is ongoing into um, how the immune system works, Um, you know, and and you have big, thick textbooks on the immune system. 
I guess one of the first things with uh, the immune system, one of the first responses, the inflammation, and most of us are responsible uh, for this and the symptoms of inflammation, of course, the redness, swelling, heat and, and pain, which caused by the increased blood flow. And um, inflammation is induced by um, eicosanoids and cytokines, which are released by the uh, injured or infected cells. Um, and eicosanoids, such as prostaglandins, produce fever and they dilate the blood uh, vessels. And um, on the other hand, the common cytokines include the interleukins, and these are responsible for communication between the white blood cells and interferons that have the antiviral effects that can kill the viruses. Um, and they can have effects um, uh, such, well, how they can affect the viruses is by shutting down protein synthesis in the, in the host cell because the virus enters a cell, replicates in that host cell, and, and that's how it does its damage and spreads. But we can see already, it, it's ext- this is just a little part of it, and it's an extremely complex system. Um, the cells of the adaptive immune system um, include uh, the B cells and the T cells, uh, and these are derived from uh, stem cells in the bone marrow. Um, and so the, the B cells are involved in what is called the humoral immune response. Um, and this is uh, an aspect of our immune system that's uh, controlled or mediated by large molecules, what we call macromolecules, um, and um, and this includes the antibodies that are produced and um, also certain complement proteins and antimicrobial peptides. Peptides are longer chain um, sort of groups of amino acids that make up proteins um, that are located in the fluids that are outside cells. Um, and so and that's why it's called humoral immunity because it involves substances found in the body fluids. Um, And this is the main area where we have this antibody-mediated immunity. And this is contrast with cell-mediated immunity. Okay, so the antibody-mediated immunity, and this is in our body fluids, such as our blood and so forth. When we come to cell-mediated immunity... um, this is where the T cells are involved. And the killer T cells only recognise antigens that are coupled to what are called class 1 MHC molecules, while the helper T cells and regulatory T cells only recognise antigens coupled to the class 2 MHC molecules. Um, and, and you can look these up. But the point of, of what I'm trying to get at here is it's an extremely complex system extremely complex and this is only just a small part of it Um, and um, so these are the uh, two mechanisms using the killer T cells and the regular T cells Um, they present antigens uh, with different roles of the two types of T cells so when B or T cells encounter their related antigens they multiply and um, they produce many clones of the cells that produce to target the same antigen. So they, they reproduce now. Now, one of the fascinating things, and of course, we're just, I'm just 
you know, scratching the surface. And I'm just talking about these things just to give a bit of an overview. And people often hear about killer T cells and B cells and all this sort of thing. Uh, but the immune system is is far more complex and, and deeper than that. But one of the fascinating things, for example, is that we often hear, say, in the case of COVID, that people with low vitamin D seem to be of more risk of the disease. Well, it's interesting that when a T cell encounters a foreign pathogen, it extends a vitamin D receptor. Now, this is essentially a signalling device that allows the T cell to bind to the active form of vitamin D. And that, of course, is uh, calcitriol. Um, and so the, the T cells have a symbiotic relationship with vitamin D. So not only does the T cell extend a vitamin D receptor, uh, in essence asking to bind to the steroid home, to vitamin D version of um, or to the hormone form of vitamin D, calcitriol, but the T cell expresses also another gene. Now, this gene has a special name, CYP27B1, which is the gene responsible for converting the pre-hormone version of vitamin D, calcidiol, into calcitriol. Now, what I now in talking about this, what I'm trying to say is this: Can you? Get a grasp of the complexity of this system, of the biochemistry of this system. And one of the things to remember is, too, that all these little hormones, you know, vitamin D and so forth, all the mechanisms to make these hormones, say from, you know, we can produce it from the action of sunlight and so forth, involves amazing enzymes and other biomolecules. There are multi-stage uh, biochemistry reactions required to synthesize all these complex molecules that are involved in the immune system. And all these things are programmed in the DNA. And so evolutionists have to believe that through random mutations in the DNA, the codes to form all these different molecules and receptors formed by chance. I mean, it is, to me, just so obvious. You don't have to be a rocket scientist. You don't have to be, you know, a, a senior biochemistry researcher to, to recognise that the system is so involved but interlinked and works. Um, and it's just so powerful evidence to an amazing creator-designer. And it's interesting that it's only after binding to vitamin D can T cells perform their intended function. Uh, other immune system cells that are known to express this same um, gene receptor, CYP27B1, and thus activate um, B12, um, uh, activate, sorry, vitamin D, uh, the dendritic cells, uh, the keratinocytes, and, the, and also macrophages. So this, again, just points out the importance of vitamin D and why people are saying in the COVID situation the importance of having really good levels of, of vitamin D because they play an important role in facilitating the work of uh, T cells. Of course, our body is just naturally designed to um, you know, to fight against viruses and, and these things. 
Um, and so uh, one of the important things also that we can do as well as making sure we have plenty of vitamin D is uh, the immune system is affected by sleep and rest. And it's interesting, sleep deprivation is detrimental to the immune system. Um, there was an interesting uh, paper published in Nature Reviews, Immunology, um, back in uh, 2004, 2004. It's in uh, Volume 4 of Nature Reviews, Immunology Number 6, pages uh, 457 to 67. And it was called The Immune System is Affected by Sleep and Rest and Sleep Deprivation is Detrimental to Immune Function. Uh, there was a, another paper published more recently in um, Behavioural Sleep Medicine uh, back in 2017. Um, and uh, that's in volume 15, number 4, pages 270 to 287. And... Um, and it was, uh, in, is insomnia a risk factor for decreased influenza vaccine response? So, and they found that in people suffering from sleep deprivation, active immunisations may have a diminished effect and may result in lower antibody production and lower immune response than would be noted in well-rested. So again, that affects um, uh, immunisation. And um, another interesting uh, paper that uh, came out um, that uh, was published in the British uh, uh, medical journal Nutrition and Prevention and Health um, uh, Journal. It was published in uh, 2021 in the Volume 4, Issue 1. Um, and it was called Plant-Based Diets, a Pestacarian and pesticarian diets and COVID-19 severity, a population-based case control study in six countries. And essentially, um, they found that uh, participants who reported following plant-based diets um, and plant-based diets or pesticarian diets, that's having some fish, had um, a 68% and 59% lower odds of moderate to severe COVID-19. Uh, compared with uh, participants who did not follow these diets. So essentially what that research was saying was that uh, the vegetarian diet and, um, and vegan diets in particular, uh, a little bit less so people that ate fish but still got good uh, if they were plant-based plus fish, um, had uh, quite improved protection against... Um, uh, COVID-19 and for those again that was uh, interesting following that up uh, British Medical Journal Nutrition Prevention and Health uh, Volume 4 Issue 1 2021 and um, of course we have vaccination so uh, uh, the, um, they've been working flat out uh, developing vaccines um, and so um, the long term active memory that's acquired following infection by activation of the B and T cells can also be generated artificially through vaccination. And the principle behind vaccination, which we also call immunisation, is to introduce an antigen from the pathogen to stimulate the immune system. And that then develops a specific immunity against the particular pathogen uh, without causing the disease itself. So it's a deliberate induction of the immune response um, 
But again, it only works because God has created this amazing immune system within us. In other words, we have all these scientists working at us in teams, super intelligent people working on the foundation of research over many years um, and to develop this. But again, those vaccines would only work if because of our immune system and because we've learned about our immune system. So, you know, again, this whole concept that the immune system arose by chance is ridiculous. Of course, most uh, vaccines require what is called an adjuvant, and the most common adjuvants used today are the aluminium salts. It's interesting, even though their adjuvant activity was first described back in 1926, the precise mechanism of aluminium salts remains unclear. Um, for a while, it was thought they function as delivery system by generating depots that trap antigens at the injection site because the aluminium is a trivalent iron, has a very high binding power, um, and thereby reply, uh, provide slow release uh, to stimulate the immune system. But studies have now shown by the surgical removal of these depots that no impact on the magnitude of the um, uh, IgG1 response uh, occurs. So as I said, it's amazing. We're using these adjuvants, but we still actually don't know how they work. Um, of course, vaccines um, you know, have had their downsides. We know that there, are, there can be complications, particularly from the COVID vaccines. It can be quite serious. Um, one of the uh, co-workers um, in the organisation that uh, I work for, a young woman, uh, died after getting an AstraZeneca vaccine a few days later from the blood clotting effects and so forth. And uh, we know there, um, you know, there are heart uh, damage side effects uh, to some of the vaccines and so forth. But one of the interesting things was there was a report published back in April 2021 in the Lancet uh, Respiratory Medicine in Volume 9, Issue 4, um, and it was by Thomas Wind Williams and Wendy uh, Burgess. And uh, the title of the article was SARS-CoV-2 Evolution and Vaccines Cause for Concern. And essentially what they said was that the variants of uh, SARS-CoV could evolve with resistance to immunity induced by recombinant spike protein uh, vaccines. In other words, they provide an environment for mutations uh, to occur. Um, and, of course, that's what we've, we've seen a lot of evolution of the, uh, of the virus. Um, and so that's one of the downsides of, of mass vaccination because of the time it takes for uh, the uh, immune system to respond to the uh, virus. And if people get uh, different, different viruses at the same time, they can mutate. Of course, one of the alternatives is to try and kill the virus. Um, and a lot of people may have heard about um, ivermectin. So um, ivermectin, uh, it was a, an FDA-approved uh, broad-spectrum antiparasitic agent. Um, and uh, it's been shown to have antiviral um, activity. Um, it was actually discovered back in 1975. Its first uses were in veterinary medicine um, and to prevent um, and treat heartworm and so forth. In 1987, um, it was approved for human use and used to treat things like head lice, scabies, river blindness uh, and a whole lot, of, um, whole lot of different things. 
Um, it's interesting, William Campbell and Satoshi Omura won the 2015 Nobel Prize in Physiology and Medicine for its discovery and applications, and it's on the World Health List of Essential Medicines. It's interesting, side effects, although uncommon, they do include fever, itching and skin rash when taken by mouth. Um, it, but essentially, ivermectin is considered relatively free of toxicity in the standard doses, which is about 0.3 milligram per kilogram. Um, and uh, based on the data, safety drug sheet for ivermectin side effects are actually uncommon. Um, at the, those dose. And it's, it's very interesting that there's been a great controversy over the use of ivermectin. It's a bit hard to understand. Um, back in antiviral, or back in um, 2020 in June, um, in the journal Antiviral Research, volume 178, researchers at um, Monash University did some in vitro, that's in test tube type studies, and they found that ivermectin is an inhibitor of the COVID-19 causative virus in vitro. A single treatment is able to affect a 5,000-fold reduction in the virus in 48 hours in cell culture. And so um, they, um, ivermectin therefore warrants further investigation as possible benefits in humans. So that was a, a study that was, um, again, published back in June 2020. Um, Another paper that came out is, uh, was a major meta-analysis of ivermectin uh, studies. So this was published in the American Journal of Therapeutics um, in the July-August 2021, edition volume 28, issue 4. And it's titled, Ivermectin for Prevention and Treatment of COVID-19 Infection, a systematic review, meta-analysis and trial, sequential analysis to inform clinical guidelines. Now, the researchers were from uh, the University of Newcastle, Newcastle-upon-Tyne in the UK, and a, a number of hospitals in the uh, UK. And um, they found a very interesting conclusion the conclusion of their abstract reads, moderate certainty evidence finds that large reductions in COVID-19 deaths are possible using ivermectin. Using ivermectin early in the clinical course may reduce numbers progressing to severe disease. The apparent safety and low cost suggest that ivermectin is likely to have significant impact on the SARS-CoV-2 uh, pandemic globally. Now, it was very interesting that um, they uh, studied, I think it was around 23 uh, trials. Um, and um, yeah, it's quite a, a comprehensive paper. Um, they point out that Peru had a very high death toll from COVID-19 early on in the pandemic. Based on observational evidence, the Peruvian government approved ivermectin for use against COVID-19 in May 2020. After implementation, death rates in eight states were reduced between 64% and 91% over a two-month period. And they conclude by saying, given the evidence, efficacy, safety, low cost and current death rates, ivermectin is likely to have an impact on health and economic outcomes of the pandemic across many countries. So, um, as I said, they looked at about 20 
uh, I think it was 23 random control trials using several thousand uh, people and uh, came to this uh, conclusion. So, uh, again, it's um, and when we, we think of the evidence out there, um, there's lots of options. But, again, ivermectin um, and all these things only work when we have a very effective immune system designed by God. You've been listening to Faith and Science. And remember, if you want to re-listen to this program, just Google 3abnaustralia.org.au and click on the Listen button. And remember, too, to tell your friends about these programs. I'm Dr John Ashton. Have a great day. You've been listening to a production of 3ABN Australia Radio. 